This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of uh, Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I'm not alone, but more importantly, today we are going to speak about a very interesting topic. I'm really, really fascinated by such a topic, which is streaming data and real-time data. And uh, I am... Uh, uh, here with the Chip Kent, uh, the chief data scientist at Deep Haven Data Labs. Uh, he holds a PhD from Caltech with decades of quantitative, mathematical, and computer science experience. Hi, Chip. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure because uh, you are a, an expert in the field of streaming data and real-time uh, data, which is, in fact, the main topic of the day. Um, and streaming data is uh, a, a subject that indeed has uh, uh, a lot of uh, difficulties uh, from many aspects, especially you know, from design, but especially from implementation and especially in production, for example. So we think about performance. We have to also think about uh, ease of creation and consumption of the streams. Uh, and we also need uh, very powerful tools uh, for data scientists, data engineers. So this is all what we have to discuss today with uh, uh, Chip Kent. Uh, Chip, uh, please, can you introduce yourself to the audience of Data Science on Podcast? Yeah, uh, so I'm the chief data scientist. I'm a founding partner at Deephaven Data Labs. Um, I have undergrad degree and chemistry and physics from Texas A&M and a PhD in theoretical chemistry from Caltech. Um, after that, I was at Los Alamos National Lab where I looked at uh, software quality and performance um, and repeatability on exotic architectures. And then uh, I was a founding employee at Walleye Capital, a multi-strategy hedge fund where I dealt, developed quantitative trading strategies and also the technology that led to Deephaven. So, well, it's a very interesting background, and I have to say that a lot of deep learning practitioners uh, and researchers have uh, a background in theoretical physics. <laughs> Is that a coincidence, apparently? Right. <laughs> All right. So, as I mentioned, the uh, topic of the day is going to be real-time data. Uh, Chip, do you have a definition for uh, the, le the less technical people out there? Yeah, so real-time data is any information that's delivered immediately after collection. So this can be, uh, you know, financial prices, e-commerce sales, system logs, network traffic, IoT readings, sports scores. It could really be anything. Right. And uh, and so why is real-time data important for a data scientist? Um, so if you're a data scientist and you're not using real-time yet, uh, you almost certainly will be shortly. So uh, real-time data is the fastest-growing segment of data. And... Uh, by 2025, it's estimated that 30% of generated data will be real-time. So that's uh, roughly 50 zettabytes of data per year. And that's about equal to the total data produced in 2020. Wow. 
So that's definitely something that nobody nobody out there can miss. Uh, the you know this is the trend that effectively that's what you're saying. Like the trend that the world the world of data is going through to uh, is real time. Uh, and also, um, I believe there are um, different techniques when it comes to, for example, an, a- analyzing this data uh, that differ pretty much from, for example, batch analytics, uh, you know, where we first have to collect a batch, process it, and then eventually uh, train or, or do inference with the machine learning model. With, with real-time data, uh, there is a lot of different di- differences there, right? Uh, there's differences and similarities. So if you look at it from a high level, um, when you're working with real-time data, you want to do most of the same things. You want to load the data, clean the data, transform, filter, summarize, explore, model, predict, and visualize. Um, the catch is that you need to do it in real time as data is coming in. And that in itself creates some problems. You know, First of all, is interacting with the static data and the real-time data, can you make those two happen together? Also, you have problems uh, like you, you, you have a limited amount of time to perform a calculation. And if your calculation is taking too long, then your pipelines can get behind. Also, if your analytics create uh, too much garbage, your garbage collector uh, can pause the pipeline for a bit. Right. So there are a lot of hard constraints that you know the data scientist or the practitioner has to take into account. Uh, absolutely. And staying on the figure of the data scientist, um, are there best practices that a data scientist should, uh, well, data scientists, but also developers in general, um, should pay attention to whenever they deal with uh, real-time data, you know, creating and consuming real-time data. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, you know, from developing real-time systems uh, that I use, as well as helping clients develop them, I think there are um, three important areas to think about if you're creating, uh, if you're dealing with real-time data and creating a system. Uh, I think the, the first thing to think about is recording everything. Um, you don't know what you might find useful in the future. And if you throw the data away, it may be impossible or expensive to get that data back. Um, The second thing I would suggest is to make as much data available to as many people as possible. That way you can have more people looking at data, solving their own problems, and uh, you end up with a more collaborative environment uh, with better solutions. And then the third thing to think about is to be conscious of the costs in a data system. You know, can your, the system you're working with scale to larger data as you get there? How much development time is it taking to deal with the system? And, you know, are data scientists able to spend time doing data science or are they fighting the system they're working with? And the, the fourth part of that is, you know, how difficult is it go, is it to go from a research environment where you're creating a model to actually a production environment? Right. This makes a ton of sense, and I, I would definitely I, I appreciate your words when uh, uh, when you say that you know implicitly you have said that real time data never ends. In fact, uh, so we have to pay attention to the costs. That's very important uh, because you get this stream of data that you know when it starts, you don't know when it ends. It's no longer your CSV file or your parquet file that you load, and you know what to expect in terms of dimension. For example, when it comes to real time data. 
there's not not such a thing anymore, right? And so are there special tools that uh, would help or support a data scientist uh, in doing in dealing with real-time data? Uh, you know, so I, I think there are a number of tools out there uh, that are being developed in this area. You know, it's still relatively early. Uh, you know, we have Deephaven, which we developed. You have other tools like Kafka, Materialize, or Case SQL. And, uh, you know, from these things, you can start, uh, you know, building a platform to look at real-time data and work with it. Right. So let's, uh, let me switch gears on, on Deep Haven because I'm really interested in knowing what, uh, what do you guys do? <laughs> what, what are the tools that, that you guys are building, um, in this field? It's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting to know. Yeah. So we, we basically have, uh, two products. One is Deep Haven Enterprise and the second is, uh, Deep Haven Community Core. And so Deep Haven Community Core is a free and open version of the Deep Haven Enterprise query engine. And so you can think of the query engine as being a more powerful pandas, so a data frame-like experience with a nicer user interface that efficiently works with tables where the data is changing under the covers and you can work with large data sets. And then on top of that, we have a set of uh, tooling that lets data scientists or data engineers quickly produce insights and applications. So for example, there's a web IDE, so you can go in and work with real-time data. You know, you can get a feel of it. You can do plots in real time. You can have updating tables, um, but also you can create uh, dashboards. Uh, hmm. Then uh, the enterprise product, what it adds is the ability to do uh, multi-user support or multi-host support. And so it is designed for a larger installation. I see. Is there a, a limit or limitation on the size of the data, or they just scale to the limit of the of the infrastructure? Yeah, so that's really an infrastructure limit. So, in uh, you know, on the community core side, we have uh, you know small installations. It may be a single person on a single machine. Um, on the enterprise side, you know, we have uh, users that are ingesting tens of terabytes of real-time data per day and persisting hundreds of terabytes and running hundreds of processors. So it really can be tailored to, you know, whatever hardware is available. And uh, are there tools in the suite of products of, or tools that Deep Haven produce, um, you know, tools for data engineers as well? Because, you know, when it comes to real-time and infrastructure we already mentioned, you know, there is a lot of uh, tasks that, uh, in fact, have be have to be supported by engineers rather than data scientists, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we we try to make working with data easy. So, you know, you have tasks of getting data in, you have tasks of manipulating the data, and you have displaying the data. And you know, as far as getting data in on the community side, we support, you know, uh, standard interfaces like Kafka, or um, CSV or Parquet, um, or you could create a custom data ingester. Um, as far as transforming the data, there's a uh, very simple query language that lets you do, uh, you know, very simple to very complex queries um, in a way that's much more natural for a Python developer than for a SQL developer. Um, and then when you get to the point of visualizing the data. Uh, we have it so that you can uh, drag and drop 
uh, widgets. They could be tables or plots to create your own uh, desktop. Right. So there is no learning curve from, for example, a data engineer who comes from Kafka. I mean, when these people have these concepts already, you know, wired in their brain, uh, they, it should be, they, they should be familiar with the, the suite of tools uh, at DeepHaven, right? Yeah. I mean, so if, if you've used uh, something like Pandas or R, you have some concept of a table of data. Then you know the the learning step is learning you know how do I transform that data how do I join it with another table how do I apply functions to columns and all of that stuff you know should come very quickly as you start using it right same goes for the the query language I believe it's the query engine sorry it's it's going to be something that is you know looks like smells like SQL or in some ways it looks like SQL so if you do something like a filter you know that will uh, be easy. But at the same time, it also looks like pandas. So let's say you want to apply a complicated function that you wrote in Python to data that's uh, stored in a in a table somewhere. You can take that function you wrote for Python, send it to the data and apply it there. I see. Interesting. One other thing I would say is, you know, we have some functionality that's not uh, SQL native. So it would be things uh, like joins that are designed for time series. So let's say you want to find uh, the event that was immediately before a particular event or immediately after a particular event. There, there are joins to do that. So you can take two separate time series of data and combine them together in a natural right. and easy way. I see. So are there some, uh, I believe there are, I mean, mine is a rhetorical question. <laughs> are there some real use cases? Of course there are. Uh, and I mean, I guess my question is, uh, who are the typical users of the Deep Haven platform? Uh, which sectors do these people come from? And what's the type of data they usually um, uh, deal with? So most of our current users are in the financial space just because that's where we came from and the uh, community core product is uh, fairly new. Um, so the, uh, but, you know, we're working on building out uh, users in other areas, but, you know, in the finance space, um, you know, the uh, typical client is very secretive. Um, everything we do is top secret. You know, what we can say is that uh, you know, these users are the largest hedge funds, banks, and exchanges in the world. And, um, you know, they their use cases can be things like uh, real-time monitoring risk. They can have right. uh, traders that are watching their trading robots, and then unusual things happen. And then in real time, they want to jump on and try to understand, you know, what unusual cases are, are, are happening. Or you may have a guy that has... Uh, quantitative models uh, of uh, of uh, uh, trading going on in the market and in real time they want to see you know is this thing behaving you know within the expected uh, bound of what I should see yeah outlier detection all that stuff right yeah we have uh, you know some more uh, complicated uh, um, applications where a user for example may let's simplify it and just say they have a complicated query that produces a table and that table contains orders that they would like to execute in the market. Then we can connect a listener to that table and have it send uh, those requests to an exchange and actually do the trade for it. Nice. 
Okay, well, since I want to publish this episode, I'm not going to ask you more, uh, given the <laughs> how secretive this, this can be. <laughs> No, but this is really interesting. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, you just mentioned something that really uh, intrigues me, uh, which is in not only the, the you know the backend data scientist, data engineering part, but also an entire workflow that actually uh, uh, op- operationalizes this data and 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 performs some actions, you know, for the business, which is kind of closing the loop, right? Um, amazing. It's it's really cool. Um, so how does it work? Like, imagine I'm one of these um, uh, top secret folks who <laughs> uses Deep Haven. What happens? Uh, do I connect uh, my data? Do I connect my sources? Uh, what's the typical workflow to uh, leverage the Deep Haven platform? Yeah, so a typical workflow, you know, the first thing you want to do is load your data. And if you're using Kafka, CSV, Parquet, or a few other common formats, you know, it's just a single line to load up that table and that table right. could be static or real time. It doesn't matter. And then at that point, um, you can go explore the data. You can look at tables of data. You can plot it. You can really get a feeling for what exactly the data is. And, you know, as you start to answer your question, you know, for example, maybe you find some bad data, you can filter that out and then you can iterate, um, on the command line with queries until you arrive at what is a uh, you know a solution to what you're trying to solve, and um, then you can take that that solution if you develop it on static data and immediately deploy that on real time data. The APIs are the same, so there's no extra learning or extra work to make that happen. And you can also create. Uh, dashboards or applications that uh, you can share with other people or you know, deploy in a production environment. I see. And the, all this is running in uh, in the Deephaven cloud or can I run it in my cloud? Is it on-premise? How does it work? Yeah, so um, well, there are a few different ways. So the enterprise clients, because they're secretive, tend to run their own clusters. Right. Uh, but if you're running Deephaven community, um, we have a Docker image that you can fire up and run, and you can run that locally or run that on the cloud. E- either one works fine. Um, shortly, uh, within the next uh, couple of months, we'll have just a, uh, a Python pip package you can install, and from that, you can uh, run locally even without Docker. Right. And so I can, in fact, have my own cloud provider, and that would be perfectly fine, right? Right. Cool. Uh, is Deephaven open source, or at least one part, one of the two pro- type of products, like the community? So, uh, Deephaven is under a, the Deephaven Community Core is under a uh, an open core license, so it's not Apache or one of these others. Right. It is, uh, but it is an open license, and we want people to, uh, you know, read the code, make changes, uh, and do nice things with it. That's that's nice. Well, now that you mentioned uh, a code, I guess that there are a lot of years uh, paying attention to this very part of the of the episode because we're going to speak about technology, uh, the technology stack, as if we haven't so far. <laughs> uh, all right, no, I mean, we. I, I would like to switch gear towards the technology stack, uh, programming languages uh, that that you guys use. Um, 
a type of infrastructure that we usually that the client can run, depending on, of course, I believe on the volume of the data. Uh, so you know all these um, all these things. So please feel free. Right. Yeah. So let me let me try to answer this. Uh, you know the piece the software is fairly complicated. So the uh, the core query engine is primarily written in Java. Uh, but on top of that, users can implement queries in Java, Groovy, Python um, on the server side. Um, if you want to write a client to connect to a running Deephaven instance, you can do that with Python, Groovy, Java, C++, JavaScript, and a number of languages. Um, you know, as far as open technologies we support, um, I mentioned uh, Kafka and Parquet. Um, we also uh, support um, data stored in an arrow format, and we have um, an open uh, uh, communication protocol called Barrage. And so, if you're you're interested in uh, how we communicate data and how we send arrow data in real time, uh, Barrage is worth looking at. Um, also, most of our uh, widgets for creating uh, GUIs are available. Um, source as well cool and uh, in fact the dashboard and ui what is uh i i believe javascript right or right yeah it's javascript okay cool well all these things that you mentioned i, I want to uh inform the audience that uh whenever possible we will uh enrich this episode with the show notes as always uh and of course we will leave some of the links that uh, chip will uh, uh will give us all the uh things that we have mentioned so far Chip, I believe there is a team behind all this. <laughs> Shall we spend some words? <laughs> sure. Uh, so we're currently uh, about 40 to 50 people. Um, the uh, community project is about, uh, let's say, 10 to 15 of those people. Um, we have uh, uh, most of the rest of the people are uh, client-facing engineers. So we have a new enterprise client. And they would like to uh, take their cool stuff and make it work with Deephaven. Uh, we have people available to do that. Um, most of our people are nerds. Uh, we have a few people uh, that uh, work on uh, documentation and communication to make the product easier to yeah. use. Uh, but uh, you know, we're a very technical group. Yeah, we love nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love nerds? Come on. <laughs> This is cool, Chip. Thank you so much for this information. I'm uh, I'm really intrigued to uh, try the community uh, the community edition of uh, of Deep Haven for sure. Uh, who knows? Probably contributing. Why not? <laughs> I have to see how it goes with my time. But uh, I definitely invite the audience out there uh, to contribute in case they want, and of course to uh, stick around because this is a, a pretty cool product. Uh, thank you so much for uh, giving us all these infos. Yeah, thank you for having me. If anyone's interested, uh, go to deephaven.io and uh, check out what we have. Also, uh, if you're interested in the community side, we have a Slack channel and we have uh, nerds on there ready to help. That's cool. That was Chip Kent, Chief Data Scientist at Deephaven Data Labs. Deephaven, a platform built for developers and loved by data scientists. A, for a new and more interactive experience, I am scheduling hands-on sessions and talks on Twitch. If you want to watch live episodes with real code, visual explanations, and interact with me, feel free to drop by twitch.tv slash data science at home. I'll see you there.
You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.